with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Now every year the parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, he went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was with the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So on this Feast of the Holy Family, let us begin by calling to mind that every family is holy. Every family, no matter what their faults or their failings, whatever their difficulties, or to use the word of the day, whatever their dysfunctions as a family, anybody that starts a family with hope and with faith, getting through day after day of raising kids and hoping to instill in them the best we have to offer, hoping against hope that they'll be safe, especially when they get to be teenagers, Um, seeing them into adulthood and then living as grandparents, spoiling your grandkids for your kids' sake. It's, It's all holy. So let us begin with that. Every family is a holy family. Nevertheless, we also know that if we compare ourselves to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, at least as they're presented in the scriptures and presented in in our, in our uh, kind of spiritual imagination, you know, there's a big difference, at least seemingly, between them and us. You know, outside of the blip in their raising of Jesus that we hear about in today's gospel with Jesus kind of getting lost in the temple as he goes about his father's business and Mary being upset, and presumably Joseph being upset and them giving each other the, 
the I, like, why didn't you take care of him? Well, where were you? I don't know, all that kind of stuff. Outside of that, it seems to be a, a, a pretty loving, good, indeed, holy family. Not too many troubles along the way, at least for the time being. Yet, the reality is that we know very little about Jesus's family and most of what we think we know is what we've imagined them to be. We only hear once Jesus speak about families in the Gospels. There's really only one time when we hear what Jesus might have experienced and felt reflected in his storytelling. It's an extraordinary story. It happens in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. And Jesus is trying to help his disciples and who, all of the others who are listening to him understand what God is like, even more to understand who God is. And he uses the example of a family, a family that is clearly troubled, a family that is clearly got problems, a family that is, to use our modern word, dysfunctional, to tell one of the most important stories he ever tells that reveals the character and the nature of God. It is, of course, the story of what we call the prodigal son, but it's really the story of the loving father. So this father, we don't know where the mother is. She's not part of the story. Maybe the father represents both mom and dad in the story. But he's obviously got money. He has land. He has resources. And he's doing his best to raise his two boys. Like any father or mother, he's doing his best to instill in them his values, their virtues, the things that are going to help them get through life, to get them established in life, and to go on to have their own good families. And seemingly none of it has worked because his youngest son, at arriving at a certain age, decides that he's so cool and he's so important that he can take half of his family's inheritance and go off into a foreign land and spend it all, waste it all, lose it all from top to bottom. And he's not just taking his family's fortune, this boy. He's also leaving behind his family. He's leaving behind, he's rejecting, he's walking away forever from his father, his mother, his brother, his community, his town, indeed his church, his religion not church exactly, his synagogue perhaps. So it's a complete cutting off. It's a complete walking away. It's a saying to his father, I don't love you, I don't care about you. Give me my share of the inheritance and I'm out of here. <laughs> so how could that happen? This father is a nice guy and yet his son chooses to treat him with the utmost disrespect to treat his family with the utmost disrespect, to walk away, to waste their inheritance in dissolute living, to walk away from all the values, all the virtues, all the graces, all the blessings of faith and family and community. Talk about a dysfunctional family. Something is really wrong here. And when after wasting all that money and the guy finds himself, the kid finds himself you know, hungry and dying of hunger and living with pigs and all that sort of stuff that's part of the story. He rises up and comes home to his father, not because he's sorry 
He comes home because he's going to use his father to fill his belly one more time. It's not because he's repentant that he comes back to the father. But what does the father do with this miserable child he's raised? Soon as he sees him coming down the road without any hesitation, without any kind of uh, requirements or rules or regulations, he runs, he runs, he runs, he runs so that he can embrace his son, miserable cretin that he has been and still remains. And he embraces him and he kisses him and it's in his embrace of love that he restores this kid to his family, to his faith, to his father, indeed to himself. It's only the father's infinite and unlimited love of his son, miserable failure that that kid is, that allows that kid to return to life. He was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive. It's only the patient, persevering, unrestricted love of the Father that fixes that dysfunctional family. And, of course, there's the other son, the older son. We don't need to get into him today. Because the lesson Jesus is teaching about what makes a family holy is not that it's perfect. It's not that parents succeed. It's not that parents do everything right. It's not that the kids never leave. It's not that the kids stay in church their whole lives. It's not any of that. What makes the family holy in Jesus' great story is the love of the Father no matter what happens. No matter what happens. And so Jesus says, this is what God is like. This is who God is for us. But he also holds that up as an example for us. Probably one of the most regular and common questions priests and pastors get from concerned parents is, Father, I've done the best, we've done our best we can to raise our kids and they're not in church anymore. They don't go to church, they've left us, they, you know, they're doing their own thing, they're going their own way. What did we do wrong? Were we not a holy enough family? We went to church every Sunday, we took them to confessions on Saturdays, we, we said our prayers at the dinner table and we said our prayers before we went to bed. What did we miss? What did we do wrong that our kids no longer go to church? Who knows the full answer? But this father reminds us that what makes our family holy is not that our kids are perfect or that we are perfect, but rather that we love. And we love them whether they're in church or not in church. We love them whether they leave us or don't leave us. We love them whether they waste our resources or don't waste our resources. We love them whether they go ways that we don't agree with or don't or do. Whatever happens, like that father in the story, what makes our families holy is loving our kids without, without any requirements without any 
need to say, you got to do this before I can love you. Without any hesitation at all, that father runs to welcome and embrace his son, and it's that embrace which makes the family holy and whole. So on this feast of the Holy Family, all our families are holy because we love them as best we can. We love one another as best we can because we're trying to love with God's love, the Father's love, because we're doing our best to give our kids and our grandkids everything we can. Most important of all, that embrace that says you are always welcome here. You are always part of this family. No matter what you do or where you go, what you reject or what you accept, you're mine, you're ours. And we love you, and we love you, and we love you. Full stop.